1: Welcome to the King's Insider podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and we got the band back together me and d c we're hanging out. Doug, what's going on?
2: uh I cannot call it, man. It is summertime. We're getting closer to basketball, and that just makes me all excited i'm uh I'm up and ready to roll.
1: Yeah, you know this is uh, this has been probably the longest off season that I've ever seen, just because of the way that it, you know free agency was active. Uh, the Kings brought in so many draft prospects uh, pre draft, and then you know of course they they draft Kyle Guy and and Justin James, um, and, and then again free agency was wild, uh, and then we have uh, Team USA kick up as soon as that's over. It really has been a long offseason. Doug, have you been able to get a break and kind of get away from all of this for a sec?
2: Yeah, you know, I've had a chance to decompress. I never really do it when it comes to basketball because whether I'm working, you know, with my son and in the gym or just, you know, watching and and doing a little bit of studying. Basketball, I mean, I I love it, man. I, I, I wish it could go um year round and pretty much to be honest with you now it does ham i mean there's a little bit of an off time but even like what you said with usa basketball you know you had the uh, nba finals then the draft lottery then the draft and all the different things that went, went along so i decompress a little bit but uh i would rather not i just keep it
1: going Now, with your job with Grant, do you enjoy taking on these uh, taking on baseball and football and and, you know, I guess hockey somewhat uh, golf? Is it does it help break up sort of all of this stuff? Or would you just like to focus on basketball?
2: You know, I'm, I'm more of all basketball. I, I've learned a lot and I enjoy it. And Grant has
1: been just spectacular
2: with the ability to help educate me in areas that I, I'm, you know, not very proficient at because I know all those sports, but I don't, I'm, I'm not a connoisseur the same way that Grant was. I mean, I've learned even so much. I've watched football my whole life, played football, but now to get into it and really study offensive and defensive lines and the different things and then going into baseball ball and launch angles and all the different things that come along with it not to mention uh, hockey uh, golf is a passion of mine so to talk about them is uh it, it's different i i have fun with it i have fun with grant but uh basketball is my main love so if, if i could talk basketball all the time i definitely would
1: all right so we're in the off season and i i mean i just i'm going to explore this topic just a little bit more because look um I think it's interesting, and we don't get a time we don't get the time during the regular season, but I had Gary Gerald on last week, and I've always been so impressed with his uh the way that he prepares for a game and you know he has his his fold out like folders for every single game with all of the stats, all of the players. uh, what is your process because I've seen a little bit of it. I know you carry your little notebook and you're writing all the time with your with your big lefty. lefty hook you're you're taking notes you're you're staying on top of it but uh what is your process and who has helped influence that side of it the the prep side of your both radio and when it comes to tv you know to be honest with you
2: the g-man has and I, i i showed him my notes the very first time i came back to sacramento and i was doing pre and post um on the radio And I I never really realized it, but uh, luckily enough, many times uh, after King's games, I I was the player of the game and I'd go and I'd sit and talk to him. And I always remember looking over the table and I saw exactly what you saw. I I saw the impeccable notes and, you know, my name written down and, and Webb and Vlade and then all the notes beside them. and subconsciously, that's exactly how pretty much I wrote my notes. I I do it in a little shorter of a fashion because I have a notebook that goes in my pocket where he has a bigger cards, but uh, I I took the same mindset and I I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I just said, okay, well, this is, I'm going to write the roster out and I'm going to, make these notes beside it and when I sat down next and it was in Arco Arena and it was up top actually we were playing the uh, Golden State Warriors the first year they won the championship that was uh, one of the first games of the season and I looked at the G-man's notes and I started laughing and I showed him and he was just like wow and uh, you know I asked a lot of questions of of people and then I just kind of Go about creating my own process. The one thing that I do know is preparation is key. I try to study, uh, you know, I know basketball backwards and forwards but I I don't rest on that. I I study players. I study tendencies and numbers and different things. Not that you're going to recall everything, not that you're going to need everything. But if you take into example, you, I believe you were with us that night that the game got canceled in uh, Philadelphia with the, with the Kings because of the uh, ice underneath the floor. And all of a sudden we had to feel for a long time on tele on live television. Well, that's where all the studying and little pithy bits of information come into play. So, you know, my process is just, you know, asking a lot of questions of different people from Grant to Jerry Reynolds to uh, the G-Man. Those are the people that I've been around the most. And then, Taking uh, pieces from people who I like, like UB Brown. I, I love his information and, and the way he digests the game to the to the connoisseur, to the fan. I, I think that that's fantastic because he's teaching at the same time. And then guys like uh, you know uh, Terry Bradshaw, who shows a lot of personality and laughs and has fun. So just try to create my own process, but it's definitely all about being prepared and studying and and trying. To find little avenues that, that fit for what I would like,
1: yeah, Doug, it's it's interesting you brought up the Philly game because I think it was me, you, and Co's in studio, right? And
2: yeah, it was, and,
1: yep. and it ended up being an hour and 45 minute pregame show. And <laughs> and it shows you, first of all, I think you've learned this a little bit in radio that you have to reset your audience. Uh, I know uh, Colin Coward used to talk about it that every 12 minutes I have a new audience. Like, that's what the statistics say. But we had Cozumore resetting the audience because that's his job is, as the host of the show is to to reset and just explain what's happening. And, and then we would delve in and we talked about the same things quite a few times. But then we did. We we all started pulling on different things and, and talking about different avenues and, and digging deep into the team. And to me, those are some of the best shows. It's one of those moments where you're like, okay, we can just hang and we can keep doing this. You know, it's not like it's exhausting work. We're talking about basketball on TV, um, and mm-hmm. for me, Doug, I, I've talked about this. My process is is way different than you guys. Like when I walk up to the set, um, on occasion I'll have paper with me. Uh, on occasion I'll steal the back page off of your notes and scroll down mm-hmm. one or two things. You've seen me do that, um, yep. and and most of the time I. I steal a piece of paper and then I cut off a little edge on the corner to take my gum and fold my gum into it. Um, (laughs) But I I have inundated my, you know, it's a saturation point. Like at some point, I only cover the Sacramento Kings all day long, every day. I'm there to shoot around. I don't leave the the arena. I write about it all day. I've written about it the day before and the day before that. Uh, And this will be my 10th season writing about it. And then my process in pregame is to go around and have real conversations with assistant coaches, uh, with, with scouts that are around. Um, I, I, just, you know, kind of make friends, all of it's off the record. Uh, but it's, it's a way for me to just pull in more and more and more information. So I have it at my fingertips, uh, and I know if someone's not working hard, um, although I'm not going to throw them under the bus because I don't have someone on the record telling me that. But I do know that there might be a reason why someone's not playing because they're not doing this. Or there might be a reason why this guy is all of a sudden coming up and uh, he's doing extra work. or you know, These are things that we add to the show. And then I do the same thing in the locker room. I I go and uh, a lot of times um, I just hang out with the guys in the locker room and I talk about all kinds of things. We get into random discussions about all kinds of Wild things. I mean, I, I was in the locker room one time, Doug, and uh, De'Aaron Fox explained to me what, uh, how his hair grows, like how it grows into knots. And, you know, how like in his hair, like those little spikes, Um, you know, we're having like a, a strange off the record conversation, but something that like, we're just hanging out and we're getting to know each other better. We're talking about things that are different. But again it's just kind of like let me let me get a feel for who these guys are in a different way so I know how to write about them with more with more thoughtfulness with more, you know, more behind it that I know about them and their character and who they are. So kind of an interesting um way that I handle my business and you handle yours and Gary handles his and Jerry handles his. I mean, I think all of us have such different processes. Uh, But to me, it's like this is what an off-season conversation is about, right? We can talk about things like this.
2: Oh, yeah. I think that the, the fans, I mean, you know, they see a finished product. It's similar with what we see with the players on the floor. You know, you don't see all the process now with more access you are seeing behind the scenes. But for a long time, you didn't know, you know, it you see 48 minutes of basketball in small vignettes, but to get to that point, it was hours and hours of endless repetitions to get to the point where you deliver that product. Similar to what you're saying is you, you you inundate yourself with information about the King. So uh, I probably could go on without, without notes. I just have them because this stuff hits me. I'll look down. Something hits me. It falls in place. And it's a, it's a, it's a crazy process to watch. And, you know, in uh, he he's different too. You know, we watch him now. He has a different job, but to uh-huh. watch him and his process and all the notes that he makes. And then for, in our ear, for them to say, scrap that, f- scrap that entrance. We want to go with something different, <laughs> Coz. And then Coz just kind of scratches down a couple of things and it comes on
1: and he's live and, and he's going. It's, uh it's really a lot of fun. It's funny you bring up Coz and I, I don't know why I didn't add him he- the preparation that Cosmo goes through, people don't know this, like, it's so incredibly intense. He has, he has so much more prep work than we do. Um, but then again, we are doing other things to get our prep work in, but his, his buildup is nuts. Uh, you know, yeah. like every single commercial break going to a commercial break, he has to know the, the read that we're going into it. Um, yeah. you know, we have all of these, like, what do they call them? Um misplaced promos. So yep, if you, yep. <laughs> if you're watching if you're watching a game, uh if you're watching the Kings game on uh you know channel 698 on tv um uh, just so you know, uh the the Sharks game starting at 7:30, you can find it at, you know, um channel yeah. 698-1. You you know, so he has to have all of these other elements and plus his opening is never, yeah. like, I don't script anything. I I mean, I think about things before I, I go on, but I don't script anything um, as far as what I'm going to talk about. Uh, there are questions that I know are going to come my way, um, but, like, nothing is scripted, and he has to script his opening, which is always funny, because we're sitting there, and he's talking about some weird, you know, <laughs> some weird, uh, you know, he's talking about hot dogs at in Chicago, or he's talking about some restaurant that's just random. And we're like, where is he going with this? And then he ties it all back in and he (laughs) he throws a bow on it. we're like, all right, we're, we're on, we're, we're live. So,
2: you know, that's what, that's what makes, uh, Grant, in my opinion, like, you know, when, when Grant isn't doing it anymore, I think people will truly, truly appreciate, uh, his talent because Grant doesn't, like you just said with uh co scripts his. Grant does not script his, man. That's just that's off the cuff. I mean, we're at the uh, we're at the Chase Center. We're at the Staples Center on a random Thursday night, but we were just at the Coe's Center the night before, and it's it's live, and he just goes, and he's like, don't worry about it, just follow me, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude. And it's And it's impeccable man he just he he nails it and the same thing with the reads I mean he has reads in between he's like you know and then all the different hand signals and different things that he does and he just has he has he's like uh he's like a point guard and he has he has full control over everything and it doesn't it doesn't become too much and I, I think that that's where you know I listen to other broadcasts and things like that and Grant is he's he's just it crazy at his job man i mean like nobody he's a machine like nothing i've ever seen
1: yeah we've talked about it you guys are he's right in the middle of a commercial read and it's a live commercial read and we're i'm talking about your radio show i'm not talking about uh it, at the uh at the stadium at the arena when he's doing kings coverage but you're he's in the middle of a com- commercial uh read and he just pops off oh that's got a shot oh home run yeah, and he's watching the Yankees game, and then he and then he drops right back into the commercial read. It's like, it's just thrown seamless. in there. Yeah, it is seamless. It's it's absolutely bizarro. You know, Doug, that that reminds me, we do have to like talk about our sponsor. So, uh, you know, thank you to Wendy's, uh, Doug. You know, it's been hot in Sacramento. Have you had an opportunity to swing into a Wendy's and uh, and pick up one of those those Frosties and, and dip some fries in it?
2: Listen, man, I, I'm a frosty from way back, dude. You're like new to this, man. I've been, I've been Wendy's frosty and fries, and, and I might have been the first person to dip fries in a frosty, to be honest with you. When I said, "Mom, look at this," and the and the salt and the sweet, oh my oh, yeah. god, <laughs> next level, next level. Henry. Yeah,
1: that's good. And right now we're having like the chicken sandwich uh, debate on Twitter, which, I, to be honest with you, I don't get because I I literally have never been to either of the other two restaurants. That are out there, but uh, Wendy's has their spicy chicken nuggets right now, which you know it's it's interesting. It's a spin on what's happening out there, uh, but I, I think it's probably a spin without the extra carbs of a of a small little bun on top of your stuff. <laughs> and Doug, when you're our age, you got to start worrying about uh, those extra carbs on your sandwich, <laughs> or,
2: or or you got to or you got to stay in the gym. It, you, you,
1: it's your choice. That's right. I'm looking in my closet thinking, oh, man, I've got to uh, fit into those suits. Uh, it's coming, Doug. It's coming. I've got to fit into those suits in a couple of weeks. Um, all right, so let's get to a couple of things. Uh, we've we've wandered, we've meandered here through a couple of topics. Um, Doug, Team Yose, uh, we got to watch De'Aaron kind of take off. Uh, he was having a great camp. We got to see Marvin Bagley get an invite. Um, I don't think you and I have talked about either of those guys stepping away. Um, but what are your thoughts? I, I don't know if you've talked to anyone. Um, I, I certainly have had some conversations, but not uh, a full fledged conversation about specifically why Fox stepped away. Um, I, I understood Marvin Bagley. Uh, Mar- Marvin was on a one week commitment that they tried to stretch into a five week commitment or a six week commitment. And was like, wait, 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 you know, I've got a, I've got an album coming out and I've got, you know vacation plans and all these things that you guys didn't tell me there was a potential for this but when it comes to Fox um I was there the night that he played six minutes down in Anaheim and I thought that that was part of the issue uh just sort of the realization that he might be putting his entire life on hold and then not play uh an integral role like he thought he would but what are your thoughts on on this whole situation
2: well, you know, first of all, with with Marvin, I I, I would agree with you. I think that b- both of these guys, I, I truly believe <clears throat> for the Kings that the, these are stars in the weight, and I'm talking superstars. I think both of these guys have the ability to be, uh, you know, that, that next level talent in the NBA, which for Kings fans, I think is spectacular because you have a one-two punch that could be one of the best one-two punches in the league. So with that being said, Marvin stepping away uh whether it was an album whether it was whatever he, he didn't understand or or they didn't maybe articulate exactly the commitment he gets there he blows everybody away that in and of itself that that's fantastic now go away work on your game do the things that you had planned i have mm-hmm. no problem with that With the aaron fox the first time that i saw it i was like what the heck and because we had just had Jerry Colangelo on the radio and he spoke very highly of De'Aaron. And, you know, I, I had already been saying, I'm just watching like the, uh, the, what was it? The blue and white game. And De'Aaron is just, he's, he's murdering. He, he just defensively, he's still the ball. He's he doing whatever he wants whenever he wants. So I personally said, I think De'Aaron is one of the top, probably three guards there and in his mind he probably thinks he's the best guard and that's what the one thing that I truly truly love about him is he he believes that he is the best player on the floor um but when I went and looked at the box score I knew right then I I said six minutes are you joking me right now this kid Derek White is playing more minutes than him the kid from Brooklyn the shooter is playing like 20 minutes almost and De'Aaron is watching these guys uh, I, it just for, for me, I, I think that he said to himself, I can get more by stepping away. Uh, would it have been a great opportunity for him to play USA basketball, be on that stage, get some of that competition? Yeah, but at the rate of six minutes, eight minutes a game. Um, and then probably you're not going to really practice that much. You're going to go through some probably vanilla type of shooting drills and different things. You know, being around Coach Pop and Coach Kerr and that whole uh, philosophy and the level of coaching and different, that's great. But uh, I think the willingness to uh, sacrifice it yourself and say, I- I'm one of the best guards here. I need to be playing more. I thought that the six minutes spoke volumes and I wasn't mad at it at all. I think that it's probably put a chip on De'Aaron's shoulder that when he sees, for instance, the San Antonio Spurs, He's probably going to – actually, he's played really well against them since he's been in the NBA, but he's going to look to give them the business. And those are the things that create greatness. He's going to step away and have more time to really focus on his game and the things that he needs to improve uh, for the Sacramento Kings.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I was there that night. I talked to him after, after the game, and I, I could tell he was stunned. Um, he was caught off guard just like everybody else. Um, I think he might have even been I mean, he certainly was confused. I asked him about what he thought his role was with the team. He's like, I'm not sure. I said, Are you getting on a plane tomorrow for Australia? And he looked at me and he goes, I don't know. And I'm like, What do you mean? You don't know, they haven't told you yet? And the answer was no. He as of the moment the game was over, he had not been told if he was getting on a plane to Australia for for 14 days followed by 17 days in, in China. He hadn't been told yet. And so I don't know if the yeah. communication was kind of like off or what they were trying to do there. Maybe he should have just assumed. Um, but then they play you six minutes. And the thing that sticks out about six minutes is he played the least minutes out of anyone that was there. And you talked about Joe Harris playing a ton. He did. Um, and then when you looked and you're like, okay, Marcus Smart is getting... Is getting close to a return. What's going to happen there? Uh, is that going to eat into my my minutes as well? Yesterday was National uh, Dog Day, Doug. So my dog Phineas has decided he's going to bark in the middle of the podcast. Um, oh, so, that's okay. You need to get another dog, calling Furb. You'd be good. I I had we got a pug and I wanted him to be Furb, but instead he's Aussie. Um, so now we have a pug and a golden retriever. So anyway, I understand I understand sort of Fox not wanting to make the commitment, and then on top of that, uh, the Kings have a ton of travel. The trip to India is nuts. Uh, it's 17,000 yeah. miles. The trip to Australia and then to China, I'm not even quite sure what that's all about because you're looking at an additional 4,500 miles to go from, from Australia to China, which is, uh, I mean, that's just so much travel and so much wear and tear, and... With this tournament being pushed so far back into, like, right before training camp, it really does set up for a bad situation um, when it comes to, you know, January, February, when these guys hit the wall. And if you look at De'Aaron Fox's stats last year, his worst two months shooting-wise of the season were January and February. And the last thing I want to see is him wear himself out and then not be able to perform with the Kings when they really need him in crunch time. So I I think that that's something to consider. And look, it's Team USA, it's the World Cup, it's not the Olympics. Um, I think those are all things that he, that went through his mind as well. And if this costs him a trip to the Olympics down the road, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, I don't think at this point, Team USA, uh, it's almost like beggars can't be choosers. They're, uh, They're asking guys to put aside their lives for long stretches of time um and the nba season like we talked about just keeps going longer and longer and longer and i I think at some point you have to make a decision that's right for not just you not just your family but also the team you play for and the future of what you're trying to do with that team and i think that's a lot of why he made that decision
2: yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I would go a different way with the the minutes because ultimately I think that that's why you brought Corey Joseph in. And I think that, that De'Aaron in his age, uh, he has to start trending toward that 30-minute mark. And there are points in the season where, to your point, instead of um, – shooting going down and different things actually that's the time where you got to work a little harder you got to get in the weight room a little more you got to make sure that you're going through more stretching and different stuff and there's that's when maybe you you make sure that he's doing more meaning off the court in the weight room flexibility all those and you bring his minutes down a little bit and you give Corey Joseph a little more as opposed to I see a lot of guys shutting down and I'm just I'm 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 against the, I'm more with the active recovery as opposed to shutting it down. But that, that's a, that's a whole science in and of itself. But De'Aaron with where he's at, with his age, his ability, uh, I I think that he's got to start trending towards that 30 minute mark plus to, to really take the Kings because when he's on the court, the Kings are, are a different animal and you have to learn how to play at that high level and still deliver uh that's what the great ones do it's just it's a part of it so that means if if you need to do more conditioning to be at a higher level to deliver in those moments that's what you got to do
1: yeah i mean he played like i think it's 31.4 minutes per game last year and i think he, everyone believes he's going to take an uptick to, like to 34 to 35 maybe even 36 minutes this year um, yeah. For me, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I mean, Latrell Spreewell spent his entire career playing like 42 minutes a game. Um, like when he was done, I, I think his body was shot. Uh, but you know, that's what old school basketball players did. I think we're learning more about rest and about uh, recovery. And and I, I do know that Fox has been in the weight room working out nonstop. Uh, we saw the piece where he's eating, what was it, 4,500 to 5,000 calories a day because, you know, he's a stick and he's trying to gain weight and it's, you know, it's not easy to do. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, it's a balancing thing. It's, it, you got to know your body and know what's right for you going forward and whether it's going to work out for you or not uh, and whether it's going to have negative effects during the season. And at 21 years old, I think he's he's still building who and what he is as uh, just structurally uh, as a person and I think he's got a long ways before he knows what his body can do and can't do and and how much rest and recovery it does take I mean I think he's learning and a guy like Harrison Barnes for me giving he's a huge part of that he's making sure that those guys are lifting after team USA every day uh, he's in the ice tub every single night after a game he's doing the things to maintain his body he's showing them what to do and it's something that we saw with Vince Carter but now we're seeing it as well with Harrison Barnes, sort of that veteran who doesn't just, you know, work with you on, on the mental aspect or or putting his arm around you, but he's actually actively forcing you to learn about your body and about your nutrition, about what it takes to maintain and to be a physical specimen when you, when you hit 27, 28, when you hit 32, when you hit 34, if you want to keep playing, you got to do this to do, you know, to keep playing and to be active. And so I, I think it's uh, it's good that he's walking away in my mind because I think this season for the Kings is going to be, it's a big one. It's a big one where they need to take another big step forward um, just for their own franchise and everything that's going on. Um, you hit year four in a new stadium. Um, you got to be good or fans start to tune out a little bit. And the last thing you want to do is have uh, a giant, beautiful new stadium that is partially empty. Um, and, and I think all of this plays into it, Doug.
2: Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. I think this is a a year for the Kings to to really uh, shock a lot of people. I, I think that just like last year, they they are being looked over in a lot of ways. And oddly enough, when we talk about De'Aaron, when we talk about Marvin, and we talk about Harrison, who have all, uh, and, and let me not forget. Um, Uh, Bogdan and Nemenya and guys who are playing in these tournaments. But one of the things I think speaks volumes for the keys uh, for the Kings is their enormous amount of, depth and I think that on any given night that is part of and I've said this because I thought that the Utah Jazz built the team that way is instead of having a really top heavy team with like uh, two superstars they had a team and the team was deep and by the team being deep it allowed them to compete on nights where uh, you know somebody might have been tired or you have the ability to continue to bring fresh bodies or it's a back to back or it's you know um, of uh, five games in 10 nights or whatever it is. And I think that the Kings have built a team that can do that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. This is the deepest team they've had since I've covered them. That's, it's not even a question. I mean, Corey Joseph played over 25 minutes a game last year for Indiana. He's, he's going to be lucky if he plays 14 to 18 minutes with Sacramento Kings this year. And I love what he brings, but I also know that he's there to support the young guys and bring them up. I also like that he's an incredible defender. Uh, Fox can learn from him. He can take things from his game and implement them into his, uh, and he can get better. Um, And I think if you look around with what the Kings did at almost every position, you kind of have that same vibe where they've brought in guys who can help uh, cement a position until a young guy's ready or compete with a guy, push a guy, uh, teach him new things, do, uh, you know, really sure up the defense with guys like Deadman and guys like Ariza and guys like Corey Joseph. I really like what they've done with this roster in the off season, um, and that brings us to the guy who who's done this right, who's created the roster that we're going to see this season, and that is Vladi Devats. And Doug, um, you know, you and I are going to have discussions about this again and again. But uh is walking into the Hall of Fame, not Labor Day weekend, uh, but the weekend right after. Um, and I, I know it's a special time for for you guys as a group, because number one, you're all still really close, which I love, because uh, you know it, it allows me to to get to see more of you guys, you know, hanging out with Peja, uh, having conversations with Scott Pollard or or Bobby or yourself or Vlade, uh, just to see, you know, sort of the golden age of Kings basketball uh, get recognized because I know Vlade's going in on the international ticket um, but that's sort of a means to an end. I think Vlade had worked his way throughout his career to a point where, um, you know, he would have been considered either way, uh, just because his impact on the game, um, the things he brought, the way he changed the game, but also the incredible run that you guys had as a team. And, uh, I guess my question is, what did he mean? We, we've heard this like so many times that he's the the glue guy, the culture guy, the guy who pulls everybody together. But when you got off the plane, uh, when when you were part of the trade that sent, what was it, Corliss to Toronto, uh, and you walked in that locker room, what was your initial feeling and vibe that you got from Vlade and that group of guys that you were, you were joining up with?
2: Uh, I mean, first, first, as always, you know, you give Vlade a big hug and my head's in his chest and I'm buried like inside of a bear. And... You know, knowing Vlade from being his rookie in Los Angeles, I I knew that, man, this is about going to be as special as a, a place as far as the locker room goes, and I had been in some, some toxic environments, so uh just seeing the interaction immediately between him and Peja and uh Jason Williams and and C Webb and watching how they integrated myself and Bobby who were new players and you know Scott Pollard and all these different guys and you could see and feel the love and the hub of that whole thing was was always vlade it was his ability to yeah, united nations you know it, it doesn't matter who what where he, he he finds a way to ingratiate you and bring you in and and make you feel like you are a part of the mix and that is a it's a special, special ability. Um, and we haven't even talked about his basketball game yet.
1: Yeah. Now, when you talk about that, um, I, I think the interesting thing that, you know, I, I've I've talked to Scott Pollard this week. Uh, I'm going to have more interviews with people over the next couple of days, just as we build up towards uh, his induction. Um, but uh, the one thing that stuck out is that Vlade... Uh, his ability to to pull guys together off the court was one thing, but his skill set was so you know uh, just varied and and really uh, so smart on the court. And Chris had a very similar skill set, but those two guys allowed guys like yourself, guys like Scott, guys like Bobby Jackson, guys like Mike Bibby, uh, and, and you can keep going. I mean, guys like Hito Turkoglu and Peja and uh, you know, even a guy like Keon Clark, it allowed them to do what they do best while those guys were your hubs. They they really helped run traffic and do all these things. But is that something you feel like you were able to find your NBA game playing in a system with guys like that that not only were defined in what they did, but they really brought special assets to the court that maybe you're not gonna find everywhere. Passing bigs Uh, bigs that can shoot from the outside Um, sort of like the entry into the modern day big, a lot of it was in that tandem there.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, both of those guys, Webb and Vlade, uh, and and obviously Vlade being before, before Webb in the NBA, uh, Vlade was ahead of the curve. I mean, if you think about it, he could do every single thing on the court. I mean, he could shoot the ball. He would, going to the post. He had size. He was stronger than you thought. He knew how to use leverage and left-hand, right-hand hook, not to mention the IQ with pump fakes, and then having the mental acumen to watch you go for the fake and look at you and smile as he did something different or made a no-look pass because he saw the cutter and pass him the ball and all of a sudden as the ball's in the air and he's catching it he's looking at you right in the eyes so now you now you're engaged and you already know that all you need to do is make a hard cut and if you're open he's going to pass you the ball but he he may also use your movement to his benefit and be able to fake the pass and get into the lane and his ability to shoot free throws, his ability to shoot the three ball, which he didn't do, but then sometimes you know he always wanted to be a point guard, so he would bring the ball up to court, which you know whether or not coach was happy about that all the time was something different but <laughs> uh for for I'm talking about me and Bobby and Mike and and Peja. We never really had to come back. And that was old school basketball. They do the drill where you throw the ball off the board and then the big guy grab it in the guard. They would say, come back and get the ball. And you say, outlet, outlet, outlet. Well, we kind of got rid of that. And it was a change because as soon as those guys got the ball, they would say, man, you, you know, just go you know don't you don't need to come back for the ball so that means that Vlade Webb, they were taking two and three dribbles and sometimes bringing it all the way up to the court to a dribble handoff with us which allowed us to get out and be downhill and all of those requisite skills not to mention C Webb's ability to to uh you know do so many different things but but Vlade's ability to not not need the ball all the time to and Jay Will was that way. I was that way, whereas then we could use Page's ability to to shoot. He wasn't necessarily a playmaker. He can make plays, Bobby uh scoring ability, C Webb's dominance in the post and and ability to score the basketball, but you had guys that were were willing and it was all led by V Vlade, willingness to give them themselves and for the greater Of the team and then him to go into the locker room and maybe maybe he's averaging 17 points a game, but tonight he only had eight. And guess what? there's no difference in his personality. There's no difference in anything about, matter of fact, he's probably more joyous. Uh, I mean, and this is something that we heard from Chauncey Billups about uh, Carmelo Anthony, you know, he scores 30 and we lose and he's joyous. He scores 20 and we win and he's not happy. That with, with Vlade, with myself, with nobody felt that way. It was, uh, and it, and it all starts from a person that is genuine.
1: And that person is Vlade Divac. Yeah. And the value of of camaraderie, of culture, of chemistry um, in, in the NBA, it just can't be understated. And it's something, again, I, I watched uh, Jeff Petrie search for that Vlade devots type player again and again and not be able to find it. Um, you know, just like, you know, that's a, a lot of teams. They're out there. They're searching. They're trying to find that guy who will just pull it all together and make it work. And uh, Vlade was a, a rare piece like that with the Sacramento Kings. So super happy for Vlade to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really cool thing. I, I do believe that it it represents not just, you know, his time with Yugoslavia and uh, Serbia, uh, but also, you know, a, a very long and productive NBA career highlighted by, the incredible run that you guys had in the, the late 90s and early 2000s um, with the Kings. Um, so, Doug, uh, one last thing I, I want to mention. Uh, we're coming off a high note here, but I'm going to go to a slightly low note. Um, there's a, a big-time Kings fan that passed away this week. His name his name was Ryan Bashor. Um, and he's, uh, he's married. He's got a 10-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a baby on the way. Uh, and he had uh, unfortunately had a heart attack and passed away at a very young age of I think it's 38 years old. Uh, There's a GoFundMe account to help uh, the family uh, whether it's medical bills or funeral costs or anything else but uh, King's community has always been amazing with things like this and I think it's something where uh, maybe a few more people can jump in and so you can find it online. Uh, it's, there's a GoFundMe account to help uh, help out with this situation. Um, it's not going to replace, uh, but it certainly can make a family feel loved and uh, a little bit better, and uh, maybe help them where they're going to need help the most. And that is, you know, uh, losing someone who's a huge part of their their life, and then having the uh, the financial responsibilities that come with that. Um, so. So there's that uh so again look for that on on Twitter I'll make sure I tweet out a link. Um outside of that Doug I think I think we're done for today. Um do you have any final thoughts?
2: No nah, man, uh totally excited for the season that is uh on the on the way. I, I know Kings are are working hard. We've got a new coaching and staff, a lot of really new good things happening and of course so so excited for my friend Vlady um this is it's it, it's not just him going in it's it's a country going in it's uh, a team going in it's uh, a family going in and uh again uh, man it's uh, couldn't happen to a, a, a better more humble person man so so excited for Vlady to be in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame
1: yeah i'm going to add it's a city going in because i think he represents uh, absolutely you know yeah. mitch richmond is the first kings player to ever make the hall of fame um and i think they had to fight him to make sure that he didn't put a golden state warriors hat on um i think when it comes to vlade uh vlade represents no the city of sacramento and uh you know the struggles that he had um when he first got here with you know the wars in, in his home country and and everything else i mean uh he's an amazing character and to have him back in town is is really cool Um, and for those of us who are lucky to have spent any time with him, uh, there isn't a more intriguing and fun person to be around. He really just has a spirit about him. And I know on occasion it gets him in trouble because his jokes aren't always, uh, taken the right way. Um, and and he ends up being fodder for media everywhere. Um, but a genuine person and a genuine you know, good dude who I think deserves this honor and it's long overdue, especially from the international side. So, so Doug, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, hop on, give us a rating and review. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. If you have some comments or some feedback that you'd like to give us whether it's positive or negative i apologize if you heard dogs barking uh you can add it in there i don't care Uh, but yeah give us a rating (laughs) review on itunes um we love doing this uh we're gonna do it a lot more i think we strung together like four weeks in a row here uh the plan is to do this every week from here on out and uh hopefully you guys will come along for the ride so For Doug Christie, I'm James Hamm. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports, California.